0: What is happening? Welcome to On the Corner, episode 416. My name is Christopher Schwebzee Weber. You may know me from the the former In the Deep podcast. And I am joined today by this little-known fantasy writer out there, the
1: cromulent Nicholas Peter Pollock. What is happening? I don't know if you guys know this. Peter is not my middle name. Jordan White and Chris Weber have spread lies and misinformation across the internet And no can't I can't on the you internet my Nick. middle name is um, but what is happening we have made it to the off season Chris it is here it has arrived and what we do every single year with the pictureless staff is that we do a mock draft together we do a mock draft for the year ahead and then we spend lots of lots of time many hours discussing this one mock across all 12 participants. And that's our way of reviewing all 275 drafted players on top of another podcast that's going to go over all the players that you guys did not draft and you were thinking about. And it was really nice. Everybody inside the channel uh, shared who the hitters and pitchers that they also considered uh, were. So we're going to have another podcast uh, with me and Eric Simulski, of course. I'm going over that. So our very first one is with the wonderful Chris Webber. And I, I miss you. I'll be honest. Um, you know, obviously, in the deep, it it, uh, it came to a close this year, and uh, I, I miss you a bit. So it's good to see you, Chris. Thanks for taking the time today. It's good to be back. I, I I'm rusty. I have <laughs> done a couple
0: of guest appearances on Petrolist Pods here and there, but uh, I'm, I, I got to flex the podcast muscles. I haven't spoken in months.
1: Oh, not at all. Yeah, you're your to Talk to my terrible. wife. You're welcome, Christine. I got you. Finally, we have him talking again. But to review uh this mock here, um the, the settings are five by five standard Yahoo, um, three outfield, two utility. I know it's not your 15 team deep leagues. This is the most standard format out there, and it's why we do this just to get a general baseline of understanding of skill sets and players, um, so that we can talk about it for the next five months. Also, I don't need to say anything about Otani because I mean, I guess actually he was drafted in both ways. But it's two, uh, two positions, so one way Otani. So you have a DH and you have a starting pitcher separate. Um, and in addition, uh, we have 23 rounds here, 12, uh, 12 participants. Chris Weber, where did you land? And are you happy with your draft slot? I picked third. And I'm, I'm learning
0: that I hate being near the turn, but not at the turn. Why is because that? Because it, it just I, usually what I do when my pick is on the way, I'll I'll set a queue of about six, seven players who I have interest in. And being third, that means I pick once, there's four picks, and then I pick again. And without fail, like three of the people that I have on my list get picked at that turn. It's just infuriating. <laughs> it's like it it's it's just opening the door for getting sniped. And because it's like so close yet so far away.
1: Oh, yeah, I understand that. I also, I mean, one of the best parts about these mocks is that if you remember last year, I really liked um, being third because of the options you got at the beginning of the third round. I felt were a major step forward uh, or above um, those that you had in the fourth. And what I really love about this is we do get a sense of where those slots might benefit. Last year, I think I had 22 hitters that I liked um, and, uh, and like two pitchers or so. Uh, and that was Colin Burns but last year in 22 hitters, and that kind of meant, oh, wait, that's two rounds. So maybe being that third overall could sneak in one of those extra hitters at the beginning of the third. But when it came to the the top of the line, guys, we, I'm not going to go over this. Obviously, it's Acuna number one, and most likely Betts number two, just because also in Yahoo, you have him at second base. I mean, actually do have him at second base everywhere right now, which is great, and I feel like the step above second base is so big. So really, I think the third pick is the bigger question um, for the year ahead. And uh, yours was Corbin Carroll. And for those that are unaware about Corbin Carroll's raw numbers, 116 runs this year, 25 home runs, 76 RBI, 54 stolen bases, which was third in the majors, not not first or second. Obviously, Acuna's in there. 285 average, just really an all-around uh, player. He did have some highs and lows uh, this year. What made you go with Corbin Carroll with your third pick?
0: All right. Call me crazy, but I think I would have made this same pick if I was picking second. Oh, interesting. So Ronald Acuna junior was number one in the Roto world, like by, by a long shot this year. I think Corbin Carroll is the only player on the board other than Acuna who can approach an Acuna like season. Like, can he go 40, 70? No, I like no one can. Like, I don't even th- like I, if Acuna does that again, I'd, I'd even be shocked. But like, because that's just an obscene season. But can peak Carroll put up like a 30, 60? I believe that. Especially sure. in the current steals landscape.
1: So I so as far as I, you know, one of my favorite things to do with hitters, uh, if you guys don't know this, we have our PLV stats that is our and uh, we have our hitter app as well. That kind of goes over their, the basic skills of what they do from strike zone, judgment, and swing aggression. But my favorite three um, are their decision values, uh, contact, and power. And how that works is decision value says, based on the pitches that they saw, were they swinging at at pitches that are better to hit and not swinging at pitches that are not good to hit? Contact, when they do swing, how good are they at doing that? on And on pitches that they should be hitting, uh, making contact on, and those that... We're not going to grade them too heavily if they're swinging at a pitch that they should make contact on. And then with power, based on the pitch thrown, what kind of power do we expect on those pitches? And are they exceeding those expectations, being average or not? And Corbin Carroll was good across the board with those three, but not elite in any of them. It's on a 2080 scale. And a good reference point here, we have like Nolan Jones, for example, having a 70 in power. Bryce Harper at 65. Corbin Carroll at just a, a 50 with that and decision value actually not being that high just a 50 as well with a 55 contact now I do like the overall skill set and it can improve though I was a little surprised to see that Corbin Carroll wasn't something like a who had a 65 60 65 in decision value contact and power same with uh, Mookie Betts actually just matched that Aaron Judge 70 division decision value 80 in power 35 contact of course so I uh, do you see Corbin Carroll improving those skills next year I don't think so I don't think he has to Mm. like
0: he's I I don't want to call him a unicorn because there, there are other players like this like the the miniature guys who just have incredible like torque in their swing and manage to like max out their skills sure but I don't I don't think Corbin Carroll needs 70 power to hit like 30 to 35 home runs he's just one of the like he's got solidly above average tools across the board and maxes them out like he he, like there's there's guys out there with more raw raw power who will not hit as many home runs because they're just you know not as good at baseball as he is
1: right i mean yeah i i am gonna at least say look he's 23 right now he's gonna be 24 next year he's certainly going to get stronger that's what we normally see when it comes to hitters who are younger and then over time they generally do find more power and more stability as they continue their workout programs, especially at a younger age like this. Um, so I am going to at least push back and give you the benefit of the doubt here, saying, no, I do think that power number can go up higher um, than it is right now. There are still skills for him to improve upon, say his ideal contact rate um, is not above 50%, and it's actually below average of when he makes contact, um, is it beneficial to the hitter or not? That's what ICR is. It's 33rd percentile, which is kind of shocking. But then again, of course, the speed value of Corbin Carroll maybe says, hey, look, he gets better results and has that 285 average because of that. So, yeah, I, I understand. The old, He has the the whole, whole entire package. There is room for upside on top of this. Um, and that was your first pitch, pick at Corbin Carroll. Second round arrives, as I say, to Webber Form. We're going to go quick through the first ones, right? Okay. Uh, Marcus Semien, Um And I was a little, I was conflicted here. I, I have a quick question for you. Ozzie Albies was taken by me two picks earlier because I'm very much about, like, I do not want to leave the opening rounds without... Certain positions filled because I do not want to go dumpster diving for second base or shortstop or whatever later on because I just feel the that's not the life I want to live. So I would debate between Semien and Albie's. Did I make the right call with ozzy Albie's? I don't think there's a wrong answer, but
0: you did not take the one that I would have chosen. I'm glad you okay. took Albie's because I prefer Semien. <laughs> and why is that? Reliability. I mm-hmm. think they're both really, really good. They're both in incredible situations. They've both put up incredible fantasy seasons. But like, only three players in all of baseball have scored at least a hundred runs over the last three years. Marcus Semien being one of them. Mm. He has a seventy plate appearance lead over the second player with the most plate appearances over the last three years yeah, combined. Sure. Seventy. That's like an extra, like, what twenty games over the last three years. <laughs> That's insane. He's just in there every day, producing every day, uh, and I like Albie's. I, I he was a key part to a couple of championship NL only teams for me. I do like him, but I just I just think Semyon is the more reliable bat there.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely get it. Um, to Albies's credit, he was four runs away in 2023 um, from that 100 mark. Um, and 103 in 2021, and of course he got injured in 2022 to remove that. Um, actually, had gone over 100 in both 2018 and 2019 as well. Um, arbitrary endpoints, uh, Nick. Arbitrary endpoints, sure. At least, obviously, <laughs> the skills are relevant. The um, the the reason I ultimately went Albie's over Semien was age. I uh, I don't think that Semien improves moving forward. Um, I think if anything, it's a plateau, and that's that. That could be great um 29 home runs and 14 stolen bases. Um Albies in his 26-year-old season had 33 home runs with 13 stolen bases. And still had massive runs in RBI totals. You look at that Atlanta offense, that is not going away. Uh those guys are there. Olson is there, Acuña is there, Murphy's there. Um Riley is there, Albies is there. They are still going to be a premier offense moving forward. And for that reason is why I went Albies over Semyon, but I'm going to be targeting either one. And I think you're kind of in the situation in your draft that you should be able to get one of the two. Uh, the premier second baseman to me at this point in the draft are Betts, Semien, and Albies. I actually took, I think, oh no, I didn't. I, I don't remember the exact uh, uh, positions of Gunnar. I think it is third base and shortstop. But um, but yeah, that's it. And then really, there's a massive drop-off. We have Bryson Stott in the fifth round. Ketel Marte in the seventh. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some of these jazz chisel. Maybe he still has some. I don't think he does. He shouldn't. Right. Okay. So, I mean, this is again the process guys. The first one we're doing uh, Matt McLean might have it at second. We'll see. Uh, I need to do a big review on that for everybody here, but yeah, these guys are going to be going early in it and I'd be happy with either one. You have a foundational second baseman that should is not a risk in my view. And that's a huge, huge thing. When it comes to hitters, it's about reliability, especially early r- rounds. You just want to make sure that you can add to the pile in season, not getting out of a hole. Um, third round is Luis Robert Jr., who probably had one of the quietest stud seasons um, because he was on the White Sox. 90 runs, 38 home runs, which was ninth in the majors. Luis Robert Jr. I-, I don't really think of Robert Jr. being that guy inside the top 10 home runs when I look back at this past year. Um, and then you have 80 RBI because, sure, the White Sox. Um, and 20 stolen bases, still present, helping with that. That was 42nd among all, all hitters. Um, 264 average, a little disappointing, 315 OBP. Why? Because, of course, 29% K rate and 5% walk rate. So very efficient in the swings that he did take, or I should say the contact that he made. Uh, still, a not, not the inherent skill set that you want. Off 45% ICR rate, by the way, I was talking about efficient contact, 87th percentile. Luis Robert, I mean, why are you taking him here in the third round? This is this
0: is an upside play where I mean, the floor is he gets hurt. The floor for every player is is that they get hurt. But I like a healthy Robert, I think, is going to comfortably put up early round value where a, a 90th percentile or 80th percentile Robert season gets you like first round value.
1: Sure. Yeah, like absolute. he missed he
0: missed eighteen games and he still put up that thirty eight and twenty with a hundred uh, what a hundred and seventy <laughs> runs in RBI. He's he's just he's incredible. I like I kind of fell in love with him again at the home run derby because mm-hmm. like just watching like Mookie Betts put his all into swings and just squeak them over the fence and then watching Robert like look like he's not even trying and hit four hundred fifty <laughs> foot tanks. It's just he's he's just an incredible like athlete an incredible specimen like. He has the easiest power I think I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, it is. um, Power is 90th percentile throughout the entire season. Um, Insane. You mentioned the strikeout
0: rate. You mentioned the strikeout rate, and I'm worried about that because that was never a huge part of his game before. He was not Mm -hmm. like like he he, he approached a 30% strikeout rate. He was like around 20 the previous two years. He saw a big drop in zone contact. But even if that doesn't reverse... Like one of the ways you get around poor contact rates is just by obliterating the ball when you do hit it. And <laughs> yeah. he had 58 barrels last year, which was 15th in baseball. So sure. you know, if he keeps barreling the ball, I don't, the strikeouts aren't even going to matter that much.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I do want to note with uh, Robert Jr., um, it's a decision value of 45 and contact of 50, but power, of course, at 65, as you were talking about. Uh, and the, uh, I, <sighs> really aggressive essentially this year however the strike zone judgment was pretty good um overall and so that that to me there are there are two questions here of okay is there something that he can do i I think about aaron judge as the prolific example of hey you can be if you're being smart about understanding the zone which he got much better at as the season went on same with decision value it went way up Um, He was below average for a long time then across his final like 250 pitches seen. He was exceptional at it. Um, So there might be something here where there's a balance saying look I don't need to swing as hard as I can every time. Um, I can actually focus a little bit more on contact and still have a ton of power and ultimately that drives more home runs because I'm not striking out as much. Uh, I have more batted balls in play and that's a very good thing. So it's it's exciting to see that kind of skill set, and it's and also just knowing that it's not a product of a bad eye. It's about it's not even about discipline, really. I mean, sure, his swing aggression is one of the highest you'll see, but he's just aggress- he's swinging at everything that's inside the zone because it's a strike, and saying, look, even though it's in the zone, doesn't mean you have to swing at this one, um, and uh, trying to actually fine tune those swings. So, I'm a huge fan. Um, I think the biggest pushback you're really gonna see about uh, Luis Robert Jr. is the health. Yeah. um and also I, are they gonna have a team around him right. that makes that rbi total go higher than 80 yeah
0: for what it's worth i i absolutely do buy the narrative that he's on such a bad team that yeah i, I he's do too either pressing or just you know not playing up to his full capabilities mm-hmm. which is wild to say for someone who just hit 38 home runs yeah, yeah. but, but it's just I, I, I i just this, absolutely whatever. buy that
1: yeah I, I like him as a third round pick um i'm kind of looking at the other outfielders um and by the way before i even I continue further. I should ask the question, which I like to ask everybody. Did you have a certain plan going into this one of how you were going to construct your team?
0: It developed as the rounds went on.
1: Mm-hmm. How so? It,
0: it, especially starting with my next pick, which okay. I, I will get into.
1: Okay. Um, so it is your second outfielder, by the way, here. Um, Cody Bellinger, Randy Rosarena, uh, Michael Harris, the second Adelise Garcia, Mike Trout, Kyle Schwarber. I'm um, all going after. And I, I, believe that robert jr is a step above there is still risk i think involved of course in that strikeout rate maybe the power does disappear a little i want to believe that he does improve um but uh also you know the injury risk is the biggest pushback you're going to see with him moving forward um let's go to that fourth round pick and this is your first pitcher it's logan webb and this is your one two three four five six seven this is the eighth overall starter drafted um, Logan Webb had a miraculous season. I mean, 216, uh, 216 innings, most among everyone in the majors. Um, Eleven thirteen record, 325 ERA, 107 whip, 23% carry. But because he threw so many frames, he hinted at 200 strikeouts at 194 total. And a CSW around 30% with just a 4% walk rate. Uh, why do you have Logan Webb as your eighth starter?
0: This kind of circles back to Semyon. Mm-hmm. it's reliability i i like i so let's see the the i could have gone burns here no no i'm looking at this the wrong way i could have went snell here or pablo lopez correct i'm not i'm not as sold on lopez as you as soon as i saw your your uh your list drop and i saw like you have lopez six then you have Webb all the way down to 25th yeah i was like I mean, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to explain Eric myself i have
1: them up to 24 maybe 23 at this point but yeah
0: I have I have quibbles and qualms with that go
1: ahead please let me hear them there's there's like a handful of
0: guys that you have uh, above web that I'm just I'm, I'm stunned by because that like there's something to be said for reliability there's something to be said for a guy who like let you so your your issue with web is you think both the walks will go up and the strikeouts will go down correct uh, leading to a corresponding uh, increase in ratios I just he's he's had fewer strikeouts and more walks before and still been just about this good like he makes it work he's just like he's he's on a three-year run now of basically this exact level of production he did have more strikeouts two years ago that was a lovely year i don't think he gets above you know nine per nine again uh but it's just I, I take Logan Webb. I feel like I can just leave him in one of those starting pitcher spots, not move him for the whole year. Feel great about it. I, I don't think I... The, the only way I feel like I regret that pick is if he gets hurt. Yeah, and I can't say the same for... I can't say the same for Snell. Maybe Pablo.
1: Snell but, actually had below Webb, just so you know. Huh? I have Snell below Webb, to be fair, but you're saying that I've okay. space off the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, N-
0: N- Nola is too up and down. Glass now, i just don't trust the volume <sighs> like I, i'm some of these guys that you have like above web on the list are like uh i think lizardo kirby well, lizardo like was actually eight. the
1: one that if you listened to last week um uh eric and i i think i'm slightly like that was the biggest pushback that eric had and i understand it and i absolutely can see myself having web above lizardo Lazardo and Framber both being underneath Webb is probably what I'll do come February.
0: Yeah, it's just there there's a handful of guys above him on the list that have just never been better than him. And I'm just like, what does sure. he have to do?
1: Right. So um the reasoning quickly um is I see the one hundred seven whip from Webb and I see the one sixteen in two thousand twenty two. One sixteen whip at 192 innings is not that amazing. Um and I know this is like a very unpopular opinion. Uh, I, I have a, I, I, there's an idea in like a 15 teamer that that is, that is a, a great thing for your Roto leagues in 15 teamers in 12 teamers. That is fine, but in some ways that is lower than your winning whip at the end of the year in a Roto league. And, uh, you're trying to have better than that at the end of the year. And if you have 192 innings of that whip, it brings you down. Um, it actually is is hurting more than helping at that point, which is something that isn't taken into consideration. I think enough is these guys that have like 100, a hundred, a one twenty whip or so, but they have a lot of volume. They are hurting in roto leagues. So then you throw in the strikeout rate that I think goes down because they only had, I think, five games above seven strikeouts last year, uh, which is absolutely absurd. Um, four of them were double digits that really raised up that strikeout rate at twenty three percent. I think it's close to a 20%, especially with the slider not being the slider of 2021. It's really annoying. He had it for like two starts and then went again. Went again. That's very frustrating. Um, you lose Brandon Crawford in San Francisco. So the defense behind him for that 100th percentile ground ball rate gets worse. His hard contact overall as a pitcher, uh, because he has a lower walk rate, it means there's more balls in play, which means that those were more hits. And that's why his hit per nine went up to 8.4. And his hard contact went up to 33%. That was the ninth percentile. Of all starting pitchers. And hard contact is saying when, um, among all plate appearances, Logan Webb allowed hard contact a third of the time this year. Sure, it's on the ground, but that generally means more hits. That's why he had a 303 Babbitt. And I don't think that goes away. I think that gets worse. So I I see all of this and I go, Logan Webb, E-Ray is going to be great. I'm with you. Uh, Strikeout production, probably like 170 or something. That's awesome. I'm here Once, for that. In, two, in 215 innings, you think? I'm not gonna, he's not gonna go 215 innings. Well, maybe, maybe not. He go like 190 to 200 or something, right? I mean, that's no one's gonna project 215 innings here. Sure. So um, let's just say it's one, let's just even say it's 200. That's 15 fewer innings at underneath uh, strikeout per nine or whatever. Um, you know, that's down to up sub 180. And I'm thinking also the strikeout rate goes down, right? So my whole point is how much Web is helping you isn't as massive as you want it to be. That said, It is still going to overall help you. And there is something to be said about that. I absolutely ranked guys who are riskier than web without a doubt. But I also ranked guys above them who have more uh, of a lot more of a uh, ceiling and I don't think are going to be the floor of not helping you. Um, I could be very wrong on that. Uh, And that's absolutely something that I'm putting my neck out for. But it's why I'm lower on web. I I really wouldn't have an issue of having web at like 16 or something like that in rankings putting him at eight i is aggressive um i would say george kirby if you want a floor that is your guy
0: do you view the list as i would uh, i would definitely draft these guys in this order like
1: this is my that is what the list effectively is is generally my draft rankings uh for how i'm doing this and there are certain tiers of like later on especially of Okay, I'm looking for an upside guy, or I need something stable. Here are the two groupings for those things. And thus, like a guy like 72, I might draft before someone at like 61 or something. Um, but this early, yeah. I mean, if I really wanted to go for that stability, it would be George Kirby. Actually, like your seventh rounder more uh than Logan Webb. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I I the the way
0: I look at this like top 10 of starting pitchers, if I don't come away with like Cole Strider or I don't say Wheeler and Burns. Like if I don't come away with one of those four guys, maybe maybe throw Gallon in there. I think Webb is the guy I want next. No Castillo? Yeah, sure, Castillo. there's okay. (laughs) I I feel like there's a tier there. And if I don't get anyone in that tier, I'd rather go with the reliability.
1: Yeah, okay. I understand that. Um, We spent enough time on that. We're going to talk about a fifth round pick, uh, who is a completely other side of the coin. Um, And we're going to talk about him after this break. All right, so CJ Abrams is your 5th round pick Chris Weber and talk to me about this one obviously the stolen bases are are really everything here. Uh 47 from CJ Abrams but also 18 home runs here, 83 run, runs, 64 RBI, 2.45 average. What do you uh, is this really just say look, this is the only potential guy of like a 30-50 season? So I I feel like uh so the the way the shortstops
0: played out in this league was bobby witt and trey turner in the first round which Mm -hmm. you know obviously then lindor and seager in the second i feel like they're always going to go in the second maybe beginning of the third but then boba went at the end of the third and then scott scott chu took O'Neill Cruz in the fourth which is bananas yeah
1: yeah (laughs) i mean what i love about scott chu is that scott chu is of course our hitting analyst and he's like look I'm going to use this mock to be like I. I'm the one who does the hitter list, and like I'm going to showcase my hitter list uh, rankings before you guys see it a little bit. And he's just like, I want to be that guy. And and I I admire the heck out of it. But uh, I I feel like after
0: Bo, there's a tier. Oh yeah, like a a tier ends after Bo, and the shortstop oh. that I feel most confident about. One after I should that.
1: mention here, Gunnar Henderson, I took in the third round uh, before Did, Bichette, I, I'm his not, name with Ellie de la Cruz. I think you can also put a shortstop. I'm just not and, sure what their eligibilities are. I, oh, I yeah, Cruz, Gunner, Cruz short. He, I drafted him as my shortstop.
0: Okay. Yeah. So r- with the guys left on the board, I feel like Abrams is the guy I like most. And like some people might expect some stolen base regression. And my reply to that is that he's never stolen this before. He's never been willing to steal this much before stolen bases are just as much about skill as it is about mindset and like willingness to just go. And there was some point he had the most stolen bases in the league in the second half of the year after, after the all-star break. Like if I don't get CJ Abrams here, I, I think I wind up waiting like three, four or five rounds and getting like Dansby Swanson. I think that's the next mm-hmm. shortstop that I really want. Maybe McLean if he drops, but like, Abrams is going to steal a bunch of bags. He's going to hit enough home runs to be a positive as a shortstop. He's going to score close to hundred runs and his batting average and RBIs will not kill you. He's putting up enough to matter there. Like, I think, I think this is a really, like, if he does what he can do, what, what I think he will do, like he's going to be a, a steal of a fifth rounder. If, if he, if, if I told you he was going to go out and put up a 2050, 50 like he'd go around or two
1: earlier. Sure, I mean yeah, the speed is obviously a major part here. Uh, decision, I mean, when it comes to decision values, uh, he's fine. He's league average. Um, you know, CJ Abrams was a guy that Ian Kahn I'm um, really preached about. i um, just as from a from a mental place of like I think this guy's going to achieve it. And huge props to Ian for for bringing him up a lot. I remember a really fun conversation yeah. with him. And uh, he's also in he's a baby. He's like and twenty-two. Yeah, he's 20. he's going to be, uh, yeah, just turned twenty-three, um, 23. on on October third. Um, how dare you not know that off the top of your head? <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's absolutely room to improve here. Also, I, I kind of, it's always interesting. We see these, uh, we see these young teams these days, and we kind of feel like, all right, he's on that team, so he, he gets forgotten about. Um, there's also Lane Thomas on this team, of course, the Nationals. I'm curious how that team improves. Generally, that's what we see with these youngins, is that there is some intriguing elements that come out of nowhere. We saw the Pirates, remember, like they were a lean offense at one point this year? Uh, I mean, obviously, that declined, but still, it's, it's something to note that it's not just like a complete RBI uh, hole. Obviously, the average needs to go up. Uh, 19% K rate, but only a 245 average. Um, you could say that's a product of a uh, I mean, I don't really can't really put my finger on it. I was going to say like, oh, it's clearly too many fly balls for a speedster. But no, it's 55th percentile there, 35 percent. And ground ball rate was 35 percent. Xwoba woba was really low, though, at 292. So it seems to me that his ideal contact rate has to be low. Um, as I, of course, stall before I see it. It is, yeah, 28th percentile. Um, not ideal. Um, but he does have a max EV of 112. So there is uh, something there. And uh, hopefully over time, he kind of figures that out uh yeah, we have he, yeah he's go not ahead.
0: he's not as small of a guy as i thought i kind of mm. thought he was like closer to albie's size but he's he's six to one eighty five
1: yeah, you can i mean he's just gonna get stronger too yeah I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested um i don't know if it's i haven't given you a seal of approval yet and i might well we'll see i might ha- as we go through this i don't really have uh generally the first podcast i do i give the least amount because i don't understand value yet <laughs> like what is a good one who becomes a target of mine once i actually talked about more players um we might by the end of this as i go through the rounds retroactively so we'll be i, I feel it like it's worth bringing
0: up something that hasn't yes. been brought up yet
1: uh nick what uh, i i was
0: just in the legacy league for the first time this year which is our 12 teamer staff league of, yes. of the highest level did you win i did not win but i you did, did have win. the best regular season record before well, flaming on the playoffs.
1: And to quote uh, Chris Weber, I don't know how I have the best record in the league. Uh, <laughs> I did uh, say that. Yes. Um, My pitching
0: staff was so, like, I was, patchwork.
1: It, What I Honestly, the, the best part about the Legacy League to me is uh, there are always, like, two teams that are like, okay, you guys are not involved. Um, and there's maybe one team that is running away with it. But for the most part, I would say the 80% of the league is like towing the clipped. line. It, it's Tony the line of, like, within one or two games, this is a matchup head to head. We got like 20 games in the season or something. Um, it was insane that you could little bit two weeks left to go. You could either be a buy in the playoffs or eliminated from the league. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's insanely good how the parody works in yeah. those leagues. And should I, be. I was, I was if scheduled this watching is, all year long. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't know what this is, pitcher list internally with our staff, we have relegation fantasy leagues. It's one of those things that I kind of realize, like when you have a staff of we have about, you know, about 100 people here, all part time. Uh, and when, you know, everybody wants to play fantasy baseball, you can create these leagues that we've had. So we have three of the major ones with the legacy league being the top one. And then we have five that are all sorted by ELO to sift into the top three, wherever there are spots. So yeah. bottom so three I've, get removed and relegated every year. I've been promoted every year. What happens now? Where do I go now? Uh, you gotta win the dang thing, Weber. You know, I have I have my platypus. Okay, uh, that is the pitchulous the war that you pulverized us. I sent out a plush platypus to everyone who won a league. I yeah. have
0: a platypus somewhere. Yeah. It's not at I my. I have desk. mine for
1: winning the legacy league. I have it's mine for winning last team. year
0: in the in the lower league.
1: There is a there is a trophy actually for the top one that is just for the you know you got to win the legacy <sighs> league or be a part of it to know what that is. Uh, but anyway. Really?
0: Rick had his best week of the year against me in the playoffs.
1: You know, it's funny. Rick, um, Rick and John were the two guys in the playoffs for two straight years. And now I think John is relegated, uh, which is shocking to say the least. I think he is. He might not be, Um, but uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: In the, in the deep, my, my old podcast is, is prone to uh, tangents. And I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry for sidetracking you, Nick. We have, we have business to attend to.
1: As if I don't like tangents (laughs) and never encourage them get out of here okay this next pick which was a very interesting one i actually remember um thinking that i might pick him uh later on and he was in my discussion i i picked alex bregman earlier in the sixth i just saw that as like i'm not gonna drop alex bregman the entire year i'm so happy that i have a hitter that i'm never gonna feel like oh this guy is bad so here you go was i wrong for picking your doppelganger no, I,
0: I might have done the same if he, you know, if you didn't. And I I took uh, Young as a reaction pick. Josh Young, pick. That is, yes.
1: Reaction pick because Royce Lewis went the pick before. And I actually was like, maybe I should have taken Royce Lewis uh, because I'm not educated right now at all the interesting hitters that are arriving for the 2024 draft. Uh, and so between Bregman, Young and Lewis, uh, what order would you put them in?
0: It. I, I, it, I, it's a cop out, but it depends. Like, do you want the upside play? Uh, do you like if you want just steady, going to be in there every day, going to produce? Bregman, yes. If you if you want it, if you want to take a big swing, it's Lewis or or Young. Now, I I didn't have a choice, but I I I view the counting stat upside similarly to Bregman and Young. Sure, I, yeah. I, they're they're both in great lineups, yeah. but. I like young's uh, uh, power potential more Mm -hmm. like we, we all know by now that Bregman is, is a short porch merchant.
1: Yep. But
0: he gets to play there half the time, so it doesn't matter. But like young can hit the ball out anywhere. He's got fantastic power numbers and I, you know, this doesn't matter in fantasy, but I, I love that he's come back from two pretty significant injuries and just produced, Like gangbusters in his in his first like full playing time season, and then he came back in the playoffs, and he's he's hitting in the playoffs too. It's great. I I I love that kind of a tenacity.
1: Now with young, the biggest thing that had me not going after him was he is really bad at making decisions. His strike zone judgment is terrible. We're talking around like twenty percent tile um, on on strike zone judgment. Decision value is bottom of the barrel. I mean, after two thousand pitches is rolling, uh, over four thousand pitches um, as by this two thousandth one, it was arguably the worst decision value in the majors um, for Josh Young. So that tells me that this twenty nine percent strikeout rate that we saw this past year is going to have work to you know to get that better. Um, that's the biggest concern that I had. I said, you know what, Nick, don't don't go for Young. I uh, Royce Lewis, to me, has a more complete profile to him. Um, but uh, but you didn't get a choice to do that. Now, Yandi Diaz, the batting champ in the AL, as I just found myself rooting for Seeger on the final day. I don't know why, um, but I did. Um, I mean, he's really the next one after that. I don't really see any other third baseman to chase. So it really did feel right. like uh, there's also Nolan Aranata, excuse me, who went shortly after. And I would say that Aranata was clearly on the decline. Um, it, it feels pretty apparent that this is uh, it's it's drawing near after being a fantasy stud really for consistency for 10 years or so. It's kind of time for Nolan Arenado not to be uh, heralded in that way. Um, but, but just to put also, it also, yeah. if he was awesome next year, I'd buy it. Yeah, it's not. It's not out of the question. Of course not. Um, but I do want to just mention as, as Royce Lewis, where he's seen all these things. His parametric is by the end was bent at the end of the year at the top of uh, Everyone. Um, his decision value uh, is 80th percentile relative to the terrible one of Josh Young. And contactability is 75th percentile. So the raw skills there of Royce Lewis are very encouraging. Um, he's going to be a consistent member of that Twins organization for years. Uh, obviously, health is a big question mark there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think going back personally, I would rather have Royce Lewis than Bregman than Young. Um, but, uh, I understand why you went for young here. Um, and also, you know, maybe he moves up in that batting order. I mean, he was around fourth or sixth, um, throughout this year. And, uh, maybe he does become a staple at three or four or so as we keep going. I mean, it's at least low, uh, semi and see all in, in that talk. Maybe there's something else involved. Maybe young pushes his way in. We'll see. Yeah.
0: I, I don't love drafting Yandi Diaz. Why is that? I, I think he's really good. I think he's great. I just oh, okay. I, I i don't like drafting corner bats that don't get me like plus power.
1: Yeah, you feel like you have to find it there because right, you, it's harder to find it in you know, middle infielders. It's why
0: like i i my my big stolen base guys both are gonna hit. I I, I hope twenty plus home runs like mm-hmm. uh, comfortably in Carol's situation. Like i i I don't like I don't
1: like pigeonholing myself into like having to chase specific categories later in the draft. I I very much understand that. Um, So we're going to move now to your seventh round, who I said was I liked more than your fourth round that it was Logan Webb. And this is Max Freed. Tell me about Max Freed.
0: I'm shocked he was there. Mm. I mean, I I guess I guess it's all because of the forearm. But I mean, if if the team and he felt good enough to to make a playoff start, I feel like he's going to be all systems go, you know, six months from now.
1: Absolutely. I, I feel the same way. Um, This is a seal of approval for me. Uh, Max Freedy is one of the most consistent starters you'll find. Um, And it's for a winning ball club. I I like, I mean, he has not had a whip above 113 since 2019. Uh, This is what he does. He's one of the better premier command pitchers out there um, with strikeout ability that I think can get even better over time. Uh, Amazing defense behind him, amazing offense behind him. Massive win potential uh, consistency. Is he going to be a 200 plus strikeout guy? It's going to be hard to do that. Um, I would say that's his biggest weakness uh, at the moment, because even though it's uh, a slightly higher strikeout rate than Webb, probably not as many innings. um, It's going to be an interesting uh, showcase of it. But there is still potential for more for Max Fried, I think, while I think it goes down for Webb. Do you Um,
0: think after throwing, what was it, like 90 innings this
1: year? Seventy. Seventy seven. Yeah.
0: Do, do you think he's going to be like really all systems go next year? Or do you think he gets capped?
1: No, he does not get capped.
0: There's He's no, a veteran.
1: No, 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 no. This is not how this works. Yeah, no. Uh, You know, you don't cap guys a year from free agency when they've already had uh over 160 innings for three of their last four seasons or so. Right. That's just um, that, I don't just know not I don't how, know how he's, going, work, he's going every five days for Atlanta next year. Uh, health permitting. Great. My mock team loves that. Yep. Uh, seal of approval there for Chris Weber in the seventh round to give it a concept of who else he could have gone for. Freddie Peralta, Grayson Rodriguez, Kodai Senga, uh, frember Valdez, Walker Bueller. all went. I actually have uh, Grayson technically above Max Fried, uh, but it's inside the same tier. I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in Grayson. You'll have to wait for my On the Corner podcast more about him. I did it on the list as well. Um, but I mean, I grouped him with Bueller shortly after, as the injured guy. Same with Lasnow. Same with uh, one other guy that I cannot remember off the top of my head right now. For
0: for what it's worth, the insight into my process: if Freed wasn't there, the guys I would have went for would have been probably Peralta or Framber.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was Peralta was the other one. Um, so I see it uh, Framber. Interesting. Uh, you want that consistency, all that kind of stuff. But man, <sighs> Framber's sinker is terrible. Okay. Um, William Contreras was your catcher in the eighth round and something that I learned with this draft was that catcher is wonderful um, it is so deep um, and it's really a showcase of there's no real excellent catcher um, is really where that depth comes from but do you think that maybe William Contreras could be that guy I I think
0: I messed up this is one of the uh-huh. uh, not, uh, not not because I picked William Contreras because I picked a catcher uh, I think William Contreras is great. I love him. That's why I picked him here. But I don't think I needed to take a catcher this early. Now, just, like, like I don't, I don't know how. I, I'm not in many like standard leagues. Mm-hmm. But, like literally, the only actual standard league I'm in is the Legacy League. Right. So I don't know if. I don't know if like the the, the world that large drafts catchers the way we do at Pitcher List because we always depress catcher value.
1: We, no, it was yeah, this way. That's generally how it happens. I mean, unless there's absolute elite ones that stand out, right? Um, but generally, we just wait on catcher, and that's that's what the common people do.
0: Yeah. So I I do actually think Contreras is one of the elite ones. Do you know Do you know how many days off William Contreras had after July seventh, July seventh? So half the league. One. half the half the season. What? Yeah. One yeah. day off <laughs> catchers who are so good at the plate that they don't get days off because they get to DH on their, on their, on their quote days mm-hmm. off. they are so valuable for fantasy sure. and on a related note, because volume matters for the player Raider Contreras was the 39th rated hitter overall for, oh, wow. for, for the second half, for the second Incredible. half. So he stopped getting days off and he just produced and I, I, what I wish I had done in this particular draft is taken a first baseman and mm-hmm. waited on catcher.
1: But I'm not actually mad about having Contreras. All right, I I regret a little bit going for JT Realmuto in the same fashion in the tenth round. I just didn't want to think about it, but I was like, no, Nick, you could you could have done this. I always regret my catcher pick in these mock drafts. Um, I
0: I, <laughs> I think there is value in just not having to think about a spot. Just for I know like, that's what I go with, but also we're in so okay, many leagues. No. It's yeah. nice to just not have to think about things sometimes.
1: And Sean Murphy went in the 23rd round. Oh my uh, God. I know. I know. Sean
0: Murphy was ab- actually like absolutely terrible, like actively terrible have... for three months I of the understand, season, too. I'm
1: sure there was something bothering him or whatever it is. And they'll. I, I, yeah, being a catcher. <laughs> yeah, there is. I love your ninth round pick. Um, I debated heavily if I was going to draft this player um, multiple times. I even considered this player in my fifth round. Um, and that's Nick Castellanos, who. Has gone on a tear in the playoffs since this pick. Um, It was not a product of the playoff tax. Castellanos this year, 79 runs, 29 uh, home runs, 106 RBI. That's 8th most in the major. You say, Nick, RBI, stupid. Well, when you're Castellanos, with the offense that the Phillies have, and you're constantly hitting 4th, 5th, you're going to have a ton of those opportunities. Um, 11 stolen bases even is just nice. And a 272 average kind of back to his old average producing days. Uh, I really like this pick, and you get a silver approval already, Chris. But d- did you notice that Castellanos is kind of doing a, a
0: NOLA? Like he's doing this oh, every, every other year thing? Year? Yeah, awesome. he was awesome in 19,
1: 21, 23, and pretty bad in 20 and 22. Well, 20 was okay. It was about average, but 37 runs, 14 home runs, and 34 RBI in 16 games was wonderful. Uh, but the, our average at 225 with a 29% K rate, absolutely.
0: But yeah, I I'm, I don't think there's a lot to talk about here. I think he's 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 a good hitter. I, I just wish we could do the I, I wish we could uh, you, remember like a year ago uh, or actually in, in the WBC the conversation was like how do we convince Randy Rosarena that it's like the playoffs or the WBC all the time? That's how we're going to be <laughs> yeah, with right, Casianos yeah. now because he's just he's just kicking it into another gear for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, ICR by the way went up to forty three percent, which is eightieth percentile, which is great to see. Um, for uh, Nick Castellanos. And when it comes to his fly ball rates and his ground ball rates, which are kind of interesting when it comes to Cassidy because he had been in the mid-30s before, it's up to 40% now, which does give him more opportunity for those home runs um, to happen, even though he has a lower homer per fly ball rates. Um, though the OBP is an issue. Uh, 305 in 2022, 311 in 2023. as He only has a 5% walk rate, and that K rate did rise um, to 27-28%. 20, uh, as he had a 20% overall swinging strike rate. So we do hope that the average can stay afloat, um, as that is not a good tendency to have as a a hitter. Um, We are going to move on, though, and we're going to keep talking about Chris Webber's team in the second half of his draft after this break. Your 10th round. So you got a seal of approval with Nick Cassianos. And now this guy is the talk of the town. You are certainly going to see a playoff tax for him, especially if uh, when you're listening to this, this team is in the World Series. And that is Evan Carter. As you're continuing your love for the youngins in Texas. uh, Tell us about Evan Carter. Okay. So what happened here? This
0: was the 10th round. And the pick before me, our, yeah. our podcast manager and on the wire host, uh, Adam Howe took Jackson Holiday, to which i replied oh we're ta- we're taking our statement picks evan carter <laughs> because i i love what i've seen from the kid so far like maybe it winds up being a reach but like the hype is going to be out of control and if you want him on your team you're you're going to have to take him a round or two higher than you probably think you do he's pretty much a universal top 10 prospect at this point and like his story is that even as, like, even as a prospect, he was relatively unknown when the Rangers took him. When the Rangers took him as early as they did, it raised a lot of eyebrows in the community. And since that moment, he has done nothing but rake and play well at every level, including the majors and including in the playoffs in the majors as a 20-year-old. What he's doing is absurd. And people are talking about it a lot. I still don't think they're talking about it enough. He has a 24% walk rate in the playoffs. <laughs> now, obviously standard leagues. We don't care that much about walks, but it, his, his just plate approach and and like his, his composure is insane. The main thing that I worry about with Carter from a fantasy perspective is that I, I'm not sure that he's going to hit a lot of home runs. He only had 27 home runs in his entire minor league career, which wasn't that long, but I I think it was something like a thousand plate appearances, which is, you know, that's not a good rate. So he wasn't exactly a bopper, but again, he's twenty. He's got the frame to put on uh, muscle and and increase his power potential, and there's potential for growth here. If he hits twenty home runs, I think he'd be really good. If he hits any more than that, if he actually like outdoes his his power projections, he's going to be an absolute stud because like he he does everything well. He's just he's got one of those well rounded skill sets like Corbin Carroll just. You know he he didn't have quite the uh, quite the hype, and he doesn't have the standout skill like Corbin's speed.
1: Sure. Um, okay. So this is this is the very quick rundown of Evan Carter from our player pages. Um, Seventy five plate appearances. So really, this is not even a month in the season. Everyone, uh, twenty five games. Um, now, these are the percentile ranks that Evan Carter has when it comes to play discipline stuff. O swing. 100th percentile that's phenomenal that's great um his o contact though is first percentile so when he does swing out of the zone he misses it when it's in the zone only a 12 percentile uh, z contact so 77 percent. that isn't good his swing percentage is 34 percent 0th percentile the lowest right so that to me profiles out as a very patient hitter, which does no surprise to me on OBP being the hundredth percentile on that time. That his O uh, swing is as low as it is, he just doesn't swing um, nearly as much. Uh, his early called strike percentage is only is ninetieth percentile too, so that means that bat, uh, pitchers didn't um, give him those pitches. You know, he got into favorable accounts often, um, which is also something you'll see in a small sample as well. Uh, also, home run flyball fly ball rate was 71 percentile. Uh, sorry, 71st, seventy first, 71 percent, 100th percentile, right? Babbitt was 100th percentile. Bacon was 100th percentile. pull percentage was 100th percentile. Uh, so, a lot of these things, line drive rate, 100th percentile. A lot of these are stack-ass anomalies in this time. And what is very annoying is that his fly ball exit velocity in that time, is third percentile, which is super low, eighty-one. Um, and I remember Todd Zola saying this at First Pitch Arizona with Miles sitting next to him, two thousand twenty-one or something. Todd Zola says, "Like we don't really care much about exit velocity. All that we care about is flyball exit velocity." And I said, "Miles, write that down <laughs> <laughs> uh, and make sure that we have it because we have exit velocity when we have Stackhouse data. But like, make sure we don't just have EV and max EV. Make sure we have FBEV as well because that's what matters. Because Evan Carter's." normal exit velocity is fifty thirty. Like, oh, that's fine. But when he hits it in the air, which is what matters, third percentile. So I, I'm a little worried. I see kind of a biggio esque thing, and I know how what how you feel about him. Oh God, I hate Kevin uh, Biggio. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a little tepid. And well, I mean this is the same profile, is it not? Of I uh, you know, contact not being so great, um, being ultra patient. And uh and you said the power isn't there. That to me doesn't speak well for fantasy um so I want to be absolutely wrong here this is me just looking at small samples seeing how things were weird um but I am a little concerned based on this quick look that I have yeah there
0: the downside is that he doesn't hit for power and just is overly passive that that is absolutely the downside well, and the
1: contact though when he does swing isn't good Z contact. At 12th percentile is, is a shocking think, thing,
0: too. Given the difference between his major and minor league strikeout rates, I'm willing to chalk that one up to just small sample size first exposure to the majors because sure. his strikeout rate has dropped dramatically in the playoffs. In the playoffs.
1: Sure. Okay. Strike weight was also first percentile, which means that he didn't see as many, too, which is so interesting. um Fascinating stuff. Okay. Anyway. Uh, it's probably because of the O swing was so dumb. All right. We're going to move on to who I've called in the past as the 11th round pick as the Toby of hitters. And that is uh, Brian Hayes. Why? Because it's very minimal and basic. 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 271 average, 65 runs, 61 RBI. Not a guy that you pumped your fist for getting, but also just happens to stick around in your lineup the entire year. And you're like, should I have replaced him at some point? Probably. Uh, now, that said, that was 124 games, 525 of played appearances. So, could Brian Hayes could get more playing time next year and increase those numbers. Also, he's going to turn 27. And hopefully, I mean, back in the day, that used to be your peak season. I don't know if it is anymore. That was because of steroids a little bit. Of, I think it skews younger now. It does. More of closer to 25, I think, um, which is very interesting. It just means that youth is everything and we don't really know how to handle that. Um, but why are you going for Cabrian Hayes here where it does seem like you don't really need to?
0: All right. Well, while I'm talking, I need you to pull up his power PLV chart. Uh by all means. So I'm a sucker for Cabrian Hayes, and I will I will never change. I will never learn yeah. my lesson. Uh we know he can hit the ball hard. We know that he can make good contact. That's always been a part of his skill set. The question is, can he turn that into production? Uh, Hayes spent some time on the shelf this year. He's, he, he was injured for about a month and he came back on August 2nd. From August 2nd forward, which is about a third of a season, he hit 299 with 10 home runs, 31 runs, and 29 RBI. Now, obviously, you can't just extrapolate, but this is the sort of thing that Cabrian Hayes is capable of. He's capable of 25 plus home runs and a strong batting average. He's got the necessary skills. It's always been a question of, can he put it together? And I, he's it. I'm hoping that he has started to do that uh, towards the end of last season.
1: So what I what Chris just requested of me is going to, of course, the hitter attributes PLV app and to look up Cabrian Hayes. I just sent it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your reaction to that chart? Uh, that the power
0: I mean it it, it did, you know, plummet towards a season average at the very end, but it also reached never before seen heights for a little right. bit there. So
1: what happened was it was kind of hovering around league average, maybe slightly under for the first half of the season. Second half, then you see a giant parabola, right? That is a big hump, the hill going up to all of a sudden being ninetieth percentile, and then by the end falling back down. So that to me screams a week of just dominance. Or so, where you like over week, maybe two weeks, I'll say. But that's what that I mean. It's a rolling chart, right? So it's going to take in two weeks of peak performance to make it so that at the end of that stretch, he's oh my gosh, the greatest thing ever, and then he falls back down. And that while that 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 week disappears and is finally now like the fourteenth day, and all of a sudden the fourteenth day is gone. Right? Um, it does seem like um, he had a good moment, and maybe that does extend off into the season. I. Uh, I don't quite buy, you know, I would have bought in more if I didn't really see the giant hump and decline. Um, if That's I fair. saw him just kind of staying higher up past the MLB average, but by the end, he just kind of got there.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, all like the season is just made up of arcs, but I, I think yeah. reaching a new, reaching a new peak and such a high it, peak comparatively. True.
1: That at least gives that upside that it is no, normally not there for the Toby of hitters. So I understand that one completely. Um, 12th round. We're going to go back to pitchers. Uh, and we have Dylan Cease and Hunter Green. I'm going to pair these up together because sure. you kind of pick them up um, within six picks. You had uh, Cease, and then Yannir Diaz, then Paul Siebold, Bailey Ober, Ryan Presley, then you again, and Hunter Green. And they're pretty much, they're kind of the same pitcher here. Yeah. Um, so after going Freed and Webb, it seems pretty clear to me, like, hey, I just need to find strikeouts. And what do you know? Here's Cease and Green.
0: Right. Uh, you You mentioned before what my overarching strategy was. And it kind of came into play, came into focus for me as I started taking a couple of pictures, and I was like, I want the reliability of Web, I want the reliability of Freed, and then once I got that reliability, I want ceiling, I want upside, I want strikeouts. So I took Cease, I took Green. I think both of them are due for positive regression. It's just a matter of how right. much. Uh, they they both got pretty miserably unlucky last year we know what the upside is for both of them. We've seen incredible stretches from both of them. And also I care a lot less about volatility in a head to head league. You don't need to be, you don't need to be better at everything than everyone else. Like in a roto league, you just need to be, you know, better at most things most of the time.
1: Right. Yeah. I I understand that. Um, Man, I have a philosophy um, that I've been trying to add or really lean into in the past couple of years and more and more, I think every year, uh, is I try as much as I can to avoid cherry bombs. Uh, That is, these are the guys that I find it difficult for me to to understand what I'm going to get after a given start because they have a history of being unreliable with command. And it means that when it's gone for a day, then it's going to be really bad. And you just don't know if this is going to stick around or not. And you're just all of a sudden you have a hipster, right? A heading inducing pitcher, stifling the entire roster. Uh, so season green. Um, I think I believe in green a little bit more. Um, cease obviously had those two really good starts. I think at the end of the year, or at least one of them where uh, the fastball was all of a sudden like the pitch. And we've always graded it super well on the stuff ranks and everything like that. It's just been more about um, location and even, Ultimately, I think PLV still likes it. It's just been too chaotic. He makes too many mistakes with it and everything. And Cease actually looked like the pitcher we've dreamed of um, forever. Um, uh, even better. More so, I would even say, than any star I saw last year, if you can believe that, where it was fastball dominance, not slider dominance, like it was in 2022. Uh, I, 12th round, 12th, 13th round, absolutely, I understand. I'm not in any way going to say, like, how dare you? What's wrong with you? You've passed on all of these things. Uh, now, I will mention... That I think it is easier to find strikeouts later this year than usual, um, because there are a fair number of players who went later on who I think are going to go at least are going to be flirting with 170 or so. Um, uh, I, I took I
0: I took, I took a couple guys later on that I love for
1: strikeouts also. Interesting, right? You did, you absolutely did. Um, and we'll hint the you know we'll talk about those later. Um, but also even just came in like a fifteenth round. There's. Tristan McKenzie. And there's also Taj Bradley. There's um, Jose Barrios. Barrios went in the sixteenth. I took Brian Bay, who I actually think is opening up that strikeout uh, ceiling. Um, you have even under Eduardo Rodriguez. You have even more of the uh, the upside ones later on. Um, something even like Connor Phillips. Um, Graham Ashcraft started to showcase some strikeout ability by the end. Maybe even Emmett Sheehan in the seventeenth. Can in the twenty second? Right. I want to talk about that because so after I after I took this
0: upside duo in yeah cease and green i went Yenye cano who i don't think there's a lot of talk, lots to talk about there if baltimore... oh, no, I, loved, I, I
1: was i was really upset i was searching for closers. I was like oh man well, cano yeah because oh, like if like, baltimore in,
0: in baltimore like what right. the heck if baltimore right. signs a closer this pick is going to look incredible if i if baltimore signs a closer it'll look terrible if they don't sign yeah. a closer it'll look You're incredible right.
1: they might get hater though so who knows right but, right but so... and, and uh but
0: after that i took merrill kelly and that's the pick i regret I don't like that one Why is that? In, in retrospect because t- looking at some of the guys that you mentioned like Barrios or or Jordan Montgomery I'm I'm annoyed that I took Merrill Kelly over over mm. some of those guys that went immediately
1: after. So Merrill Kelly's an interesting one. I'm going to say very quickly. New changeup grip I didn't believe in 2021, uh sorry it's 2022, translate again to 2023. The Arizona defense being really good helps him. He's a good pitcher. I think he's more more safe than I expected him to be. I'm not I don't want to go after it um but that's not bad and honestly compared to, to Barrios and montgomery i think i have kelly ranked above him so um, yeah, i don't know actually kelly. getting a playoff tax that i don't agree with uh it's kind of funny especially with that jeff passan article talking about the death ball Ghostball, death that's ball right <laughs> like the curveball but here's the thing this isn't new it's not like all of a sudden he found this pitch halfway through the season or something Jordan montgomery's always had it and the problem has been his inefficiency of it
0: jordan uh, montgomery's agent called Jeff Pass it was like, yeah, hey, was like, we got well, a yeah, nick, yeah. We got a nickname for this pitch.
1: Yeah, right. Um, that was hilarious. Um, and I uh, so so I'm not really so in on that. Merrill Kelly at least showed, hey, I'm on, I'm on a good team with a good defense, and I have uh, this changeup that works. So that does make sense to me, and I'm I actually really do understand the sandwich of. Um, balance that you're making here. Of,
0: his his fastball can't keep getting away with this, though.
1: I know, but it kind of that's is. my thing. It, I think what happens is um, it's kind of hard to grade because the changeup is opening. It the plays door for off it. of it, right? Yeah, and um, that's what we see with Logan Webb. I mean, Logan Webb is like a 33% call strike rate right on a sinker. I'm like, that can't stick around. But then I'm like, well, he throws 50% changeup, so maybe it does. Maybe just treat that like a, a like a first pitch curveball or something like that. You know. Uh, maybe it's just not how we envision uh, sinkers to be. So I, I like that we're kind of grouping this quickly here. And also you have Alzale in the 16th round. Alzale um, well, same thing as That's a great one too. Yeah, that same could be great. No, I think that's a, a closer, terrible. No, he is a closer, Alzale. And I think that actually when he first came up, he broke the wasker rule. That is a really good slider, not a good enough fastball. And I remember actually there was a, a good clip on on Twitch of me reacting to Alzale because I didn't think he had a good enough fastball. And then I watched a clip of a fastball. I was like, "Oh man, now I'm kind of in." But <laughs> uh, but he had those really nice moments where he had finally figured out how to do two fastballs. I think it was. But um, no, he fits yeah. as a as a as a closer. He's an yeah, amazing fighter. If, if this was a real team, and, like, questionable fastball, then like the, you are closer. Yeah,
0: like if this was a real team, I'd be stoked coming away with Cano and Alzolay yeah. as my two closers. Absolutely. You know, if, if I knew they were going to be closers,
1: right? Um, and so we're just going to keep going. I mean, Nick Lodolo in the 17th round, same kind of idea of Dylan Cease and Hunter Green, right? Of this is a strikeout play, and honestly, silver approval 17th round Nick Lodolo. And the reason for that is I don't think that Nick Lodolo should be treated any differently than he was in drafts entering right. this year. What's changed? I mean, he missed Nothing. the
0: year. Obviously, that that is a sure. problem. But has, should it have discounted him this much? No, I right. don't think
1: so. Now, am I going to be targeting Nick Lodolo? Probably not. Um, for example, in the 17th round, I went after Nestor Cortez instead of Nick Lodolo, who I think also should be treated the same way um as we saw life from him and health and everything permitting same with Lodolo um that is in 17th round it's like this is how you can find like when it gets to be this late health is the best reason to chase a guy uh because yeah you probably aren't gonna have a lot of these guys 17th round and later at this point you should not have the anticipation of me holding on to them closely so if they're healthy and productive I mean you saw my 20th round pick as James Paxton I was amazed at this. James Paxton went healthy this year was a stud. So why, if if he's healthy entering the year, I'm starting James Paxton and being really happy about it wherever he signs. And if he's not healthy, great. He's off my team. It's the 20th round. The question of quality is not as much in the air. With Nick Lodolo, I actually do think generally he's going to be productive for you. I, I worry that he might be a cherry bomb. That it's the question. And we just haven't seen him pitch for a while and everything. He's a left-handed slinger. Which generally I don't like. Um, We see this constantly of left handed slingers. I mean, look at Kyle Harrison, left handed slinger, Mm -hmm. and it's not, he didn't, he doesn't have the command that you want him to have. Josh Hader was not a starter because I don't think he was consistent enough. They said, you know what, fine, we're going to turn you into this. DL Hall is kind of becoming that too. Nicolò Dolo has a little bit more depth. I think the curveball and fastball is better controlled, but. It's so close to the Andrew Keeney, Sean Mania grouping. And, um, and also in Cincinnati isn't helpful to him. It's why I'm leaning a little bit away from him.
0: You know, so, something you just said, like y- your explanation of Paxton right there just made like two synapses fire in my brain that have never fired before. Which is? And it's like, I, because I, When I'm shooting for upside in a draft, I'm aiming for guys. I think this guy could be on my team all year long. I Mm. never think this guy might carry me for a month at the start of the year. He'll get hurt.
1: Sure. But I'm going to just going to turn him. I never think of that. Well, here's the thing is that my in my outline every year I spend like 2000 words writing stuff before I even get to rankings on purpose, because it's so important to understand the strategies involved and what you should be planning for the entire season before you even think about who I'm getting, what kind of strategy should I be going for? And my rankings are very, very much leaning into, look at all of the players you picked up during the season. This was the largest table I've ever made. Yeah, yeah. And by far. And I even debated, I could have added more to like the secondary one, which are the ones that are like just a month long fling. I never um, read
0: the notes, but I did scroll past them. I saw they were there.
1: That, those tables should be eye-opening to you. And the, the pushback I always get is, well, Nick, how are you going to guarantee them going to get? I mean, there's 25 guys. Like, come on, I can't get all of these. Like, no, you don't need to. You can get like yeah. three. And the they, best they didn't thing all is, at once. What's that? They didn't pop up all at once. They popped up throughout the right. year. You got to be all year. Experience. And if you read the SP Roundup, I'd say that maybe there's like a handful of them that I wasn't encouraged on and you would have missed if you just followed what I was saying. Most of those, the majority of them, were in on and were getting. I mean, if you saw my Legacy League, I had a ton of those guys. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, your uh, team. I was in the playoffs, so I wasn't really looking at your team. There it is. Um, in the <laughs> playoffs, your staff was oh boy, uh, why'd you lose? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's because um, my my offense floundered. That's my why my offense was terrible. I, I I did had a terrible legacy league draft last year. When I'm going to defend playoffs. my patchwork pitching staff um, to the death. But uh, anyway, um, the uh, the biggest strategy that I go for, and I emphasize this every year, especially your twelve teamers is plan your draft around shooting for the first month at the end of the draft because you are going to switch out, guys, and you have to have your hands in as many pots as possible in April and May. You have to be ready to drop all, a lot of these guys because it's you're just going to miss out on Bobby Miller. You're going to miss out on Bryce Miller. You're going to miss out on Grayson returning in July. I dropped him in our Legacy League and then picked him back up when he returned right? You're going to miss out on on so much. And especially as we were talking about before with youth, youth being everything, we have to be more aggressive on these prospects and not settle for fine in positions.
0: Yeah. I I wonder if this year is going to be the new normal because we saw more prospect promotions than ever before. I want to say,
1: I really don't see why we won't. Um, Because I think the draft classes get better every year. We're getting better at, at uh, understanding what makes a good player. We have more people uh, than ever when it comes to playing baseball. I'm doing it competitively at a higher level. Uh, it, it makes better all scouting, better the training. World. It's just the whole thing is just improved. Um and also I do believe that we are more aggressive in promotions than we used to be. Uh because oh, yeah. we recognize yeah. the, the aging curve is is more beneficial when they're younger. And it's you know there's kind of like all right we're just gonna go for it right now. We're gonna do this uh i i heavily believe in it um uh, which then of course makes all your prospect experts that much more valuable we mm-hmm. have exciting tools coming next year guys uh for prospect stuff that is going to make you want to be a pl pro member let me tell you um could not be more excited about that but anyway this goes back to lodolo do you, i i gave you silver approval i still stand by that because i think it's a good representation i think you're going to see them a lot from pitchers from 17 round 17 and lower um, and I think you made a good balance here because, honestly, there's a case for Lodolo to be up where Ceases, where Hunter Green is in the 12th and 13th.
0: Yeah. Like, why Why would Lodolo? Like it used to be like Lodolo and Green would always go within a few picks of each other. Right. What's changed?
1: Right. So now, Edward Cabrera, though, I would not group with Lodolo. I would say there's a definitive no. tier between them. What is your love uh, for uh, Cabrera?
0: I, I'm a sucker for Cabrera. Similar. like He's like my pitcher, Cabrian Hayes. I will never quit him well for, first of all opportunity the Mar- the Marlins need him next year sure the Marlins are going Absolutely. into next year with much less rotation depth than they generally do have like like i i feel like this past year, when we were talking about Yuri Perez, I was like, well, he's he's like at least like sixth in line or seventh in line, like at, at, for opening right. day.
1: And they lost, of course, Pablo Lopez. They lost um, uh, Trevor Rogers uh, for the season. They, they right. Here.
0: Yep. The, the Marlins historically have a lot of or recent history have a lot of rotation depth this year. I don't think that's the case. I think Edward Cabrera is going to be relied on to throw as many innings as he can. I and the question with him is re, it's it's walks. Mm. Uh, that, yeah, that that's yeah. the entire like like his his list of pros that's, is pretty long yeah his list okay. of cons is walks it's just right. walks so, now will will he yeah. fix that i don't know yeah. do i th- i think he can be a good pitcher even if he doesn't cut down on the walks that much he's still going like he's going to be a cherry bomb yeah but he will still throw out plenty of good starts if he cuts down on the walks he will be a monster he is he like the skills are incredible like now, He's, yeah. Like, how many pitchers offer his combination of
1: contact suppression and swing and miss? It's not a long list. At the end of the year, across, I believe, his past, the final 10 starts. How many starts do you think that Edward Cabrera had over five innings?
0: He, 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 not, not all of his appearances late in the season were starts. He this came is true, he,
1: actually. Yeah. Two of them were in relief. That was a four and a 4.2. Absolutely. That's a great point. Those are, I mean, 72 pitches in 86.
0: I think he was also he like he he came up from the minors. I don't I think his role was a little bit unsettled, but I'm yeah, expecting was, him yeah. like like look, I know like the the walks lead to low inning totals. I, I do. Right. I know I trust me. I'm I'm the but this is the this is what the 18th round. No, I'll no, take, I, it, like, I understand. Uh, do I'm not, do you not think,
1: saying uh, what do I think? <laughs> yeah.
0: Here's my question. Yes. After Edward Cabrera went in this draft.
1: Who do you think has more upside? Well, I'll I'll put it this way. I don't hate it because, right, maybe he shows up and all of a sudden things are tweaked. And that's a really amazing thing. Because uh, the biggest issue with Edward Cabrera is it was 81 pitches per game, uh, 4.5 innings per game. Now, of course, that's including the beginning of the year a little bit. um, But it was only only two innings in relief. And that was uh, uh, in September. One of them was 86 pitches um, because he's a very inefficient pitcher. Uh, it's just yes. been that way his fastballs do not have high strike rates. It's a good changeup that is his major thing, but that's only a sixty-one percent strike rate, and the curveballs is sixty-three percent. I mean, it's not just hey fastball fifty-seven percent strike rate, hey sinker fifty-six. These are both sub-tenth percentiles for their respective pitches. It's the fact that also the main ones also aren't heavy strike pitches. So we got to fix that somehow. We yeah. got we got to figure that out. Now, I mean, can
0: we do a Robbie Ray, simply throw your really good stuff in the zone? Just simply it, throw it, it at the zone. Honestly, and hope for the best? it might be.
1: Um, but the four-seamer, I don't think, is good. I don't think it's good enough to do that, right? Um, so it's okay. The curveball and the changeup need to be more in the zone. It was just sub-30% changeup zone rate. It was a 43% zone rate for the curveball, was generally kind of slightly above average, right? Um, my pushback on Edward Cabrera is I don't think that he's going to actually fix it. And I think that uh, in the beginning of the season, you're going to see still the walk rates being there and the path to him actually being a consistent like, oh, man, I'm the guy who got Ever Cabrera is a lower chance than the other ones who went later. I think there's a higher chance, believe it or not. And also, you'll know quicker for Luis Severino than you will Edward Cabrera.
0: I can, I can see myself going after like a Detmers or a Maeda over or maybe like a thought. Right. Over you him. would
1: know, right? Like Severino, for example, I would know right out of the gate. Does he sign somewhere else and it's improved? Does he look good out of the gate? I feel good about it. No, I get out. I see Cabrera as a higher hipster percentage chance of like me not being able to make a decision than these other ones. Does Chris Paddock get an opportunity in the rotation? Does uh, Ricky Tiedemann make it out of camp on the Jays squad? Right. I, I um, am annoyed
0: I didn't get Paddock.
1: Max Meyer is going to be back from Tommy, Tommy John for the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And that actually might be something more intriguing to me than a Cabrera I actually wasn't too impressed when he first came up. Um, but that might be it. that's where I'm at with Eric Cabrera. He's not on my list of the guys that I'm targeting just because I feel. He's going to have to figure out the strike stuff because it's it's an issue right now that's preventing him from being good enough in your whip. I mean, it was a 140 plus whip because the walk rates were that bad. And uh, also in being long, going long enough and consistently. Uh, Look,
0: I, I was also a sucker for Carlos Hernandez two years ago. So I might I might just be a sucker <laughs> for these really electric arms that can't stop well, walking That, that was them.
1: a different scenario than Cabrera. But uh, Brandon Lau was your 19th round pick. Um, talk to me about him. I, I was really excited about him entering the year and... Didn't quite pan out as they wanted.
0: Do you know where Brandon Lau ranks among second base, like historically in WRC plus? What, like fifth? 15th. But he has the 15th highest WRC plus for a second baseman in history. (laughs) That's wild. The the, the issue is that he can't stop getting hurt. And it's a shame because he can really swing the bat. Uh, I mean, he's going to be healthy to start the year. This is a 19th round pick. If he's not healthy, he gets cut. He, but he's got huge upside. And I, I think as as long as he's healthy, he's going to hit some dingers. And for for the record, if when Brandon Lau does get hurt, I really, really like Curtis Mead as his replacement.
1: Mm. All right, there you go. Uh, Yeah, Brand Lau, I hope the, the power returns again. I mean, it was 21 home runs in 109 games. So it's not like he didn't do the thing he promise to do it's just of course yeah. a and it was hours.
0: surrounding a couple of injuries that can't have helped yeah. his production
1: it's a platoon bat uh you'll he'll go on some hot streaks you'll want to put him in for that time take him out i understand that i i generally focus on more pitchers early to figure out those that work and then focus on hitters later in my head-to-head leagues once i have a stable rotation that i don't really want to change um but i i understand that pick brandon nimmo seal of approval man he was at the top of my outfield list for ages and I can't believe I he didn't lasted. really have an opportunity to get him, and I felt like I was missing something. Now he did get injured right at the end of the season, and that I think he, is the 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 question of like he should how be good to go if he's good to go or not. I think that's what depressed it, and that spooked me, so I didn't go after him. But Brandon Nimmo last year, I mean, eighty nine runs, twenty four home runs, sixty eight RBI, only three stolen bases, but two seventy four average. This is a Toby of a of an outfielder. This is your third outfielder. You'd be absolutely fine with that. And if you want to say health is an issue, well, 151 games in 2022 with 102 runs. This is kind of who he is at this point. Th- this is um, my this is right. my Evan
0: Carter insurance.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is a seal of approval. Pretty easy there. I wouldn't say that I'm going to go and chase Nemo because of the Solemn bases being so bad and the power at 24 home runs feels like a peak. Um, I'm not really going to expect more from that, but you're going to get good run production. Uh, I, maybe I, the, the Mets offense is a little bit better, too. Uh, so maybe the RBI total goes up a little as well. I have to point out with nimmo i've i've always been of the opinion that he has like one
0: crazy darren erstad kind of year in him like huh. darren erstad in 2000 where he just like put up eight war out of nowhere yeah uh i don't think the stolen bases are ever going to happen
1: no
0: I, and i feel like that's a business decision i feel like he's like i, I need to stay healthy i'm just not going to run and i'm not going to try sure. to you know <laughs> exacerbate any injuries um but the power I think Nimmo may have finally discovered uh, his his formula for getting to his power consistently. He has always had juice in his bat, but this is the first time he's ever got into it so consistently. Mm. He had a career-high barrel rate, career-high average exit velo, max exit velo. uh, His launch angle was higher than ever. He had a 48% hard hit rate, 48%. He's not the OBP god that he was earlier in his career but he is impacting the ball more consistently than ever before and i honestly think 30 home runs could be on the table next year you said Isn't that the it, you yeah. said that it's a peak
1: but his his second half was the best power
0: swing power stroke he's ever had yeah it
1: was it was below average for the first uh, 200 batted ball events and then between 200 and i'd say 300 it was insane i mean he had an incredible stretch um dropped well below league average then for the next 100 then jumped back up again to, uh, to about 90th percentile or so. Uh, so there it's in there. Um, and we hope that it does become a consistent thing for Nemo. It, hopefully he does really. It does obviously seem like after that in initial um, initial fall, like he had actually some new skill set that we can hopefully buy into. His decisions, though, got a lot worse as the season went. Up. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, like he used and to and walk like 15% of the time. Yeah, and that's all of a sudden, happening. like the last month was just terrible from a just wh- where is his head at almost? Maybe the Mets being out of the playoffs or something got to him. Swing aggression. He's also still very slow or not very slow, but just very limited, I should say. He um, does that, run like just, a baby giraffe. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the, um, hey, that's me. Uh, the strike zone judgment um, was very good for, for uh, let's say two thirds of the season and then really fell. Um, so there might be something to just, I don't know, focus or whatever that you could say to, to that because I just feel like that would be more of a sticky skill. Yeah, um, I, I think he's, uh, maybe he's trying to find right I think he's trying to find the right balance
0: between the aggression mm-hmm. and the patience and the power no, I, I think the,
1: he yeah the aggression and the judgment didn't go hand in hand though that's my point is that the aggression kind of was the same and the judgment just got worse so I little interesting in that Um but uh, we're gonna, we got to keep going. We're going too long. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, we got we got one more pick that I want to talk about. And then my last pick literally doesn't matter. Okay. So we have two more here. We have Mitch Keller and David Peterson. David Peterson had some weird strikeout games at the end of the year. I still don't quite understand how because he changed how we got his strikeouts each time. Sometimes it was a fastball. Sometimes it was a slider. I think he maybe in the changeup showed up at one point. It was weird. Do you buy into David Peterson actually being a thing next season? Because it's not the old slider that we know from 2021 and 2022.
0: I don't understand David Peterson. Yeah. Did, no. So, uh, among pitchers with 100 100 innings pitched last year, only 3 pitchers this year cleared a 50% ground ball rate and a 25% K rate. Tyler Glasnow, nah. Hunter Brown, David Peterson. Yeah. Lots of Ks and lots of ground balls is a formula for success. It's not, you know, it's not a guarantee of success looking at you Hunter Brown, but it is a a way to to get to outs. I don't really know what to make of him. He he used to have like not the best, but among the best sliders in baseball. He changed it completely. And I Yeah, I, I don't more. know what's up with him. He he's willing to tinker. He's willing to change his approach, which I like. He's throwing a lot more like early in the count curveballs, like get me over curveballs, which is something he never really did before. That's supposedly that's uh Justin Burlander's influence. He he was trying to tell the whole staff to do that more. But you want to see something funny about David Peterson? L- look at his four seamer zone rate.
1: Oh boy. Uh let's see here. His zone on is four seamer is first percentile, thirty-seven percent. It is like and impossibly that, low. It's not yeah. just first
0: percentile, it's first percentile by like it, it's it's the lowest by a lot.
1: Yeah. Like, and it was interesting is normally you would see that with a high two strike percentage. he's saving it for late. That's why he's not trying to throw that in the zone. Nope, that's 47th percentile. That's just twenty-eight percent. He's sixty-seventh percent early. He's getting behind batters. Missing in this now, he has the 90th, 99th percentile high lo- location on that fastball, right? Yeah. 73rd percentile, so he's missing up, which isn't necessarily bad. What's the weirdest part about this? The weirdest one is that the ground ball rate is good 83rd percentile on that, and it's not fly balls, <laughs> so that actually he's weird. Tells me, well, it's weird, but it's also not, um, it's not a four seamer that should be getting a lot of um, uh, induced vertical breaks, sadly. So I, uh, it's a strange pitch. I I wonder if there's like cut action or something going on here. Um, yeah, it's, it's very little vertical break, not really on the, the cut action. It's just kind of an almost a dead zone fastball. Um, and that's not good. No, yeah, that's I, not I, a, I don't, I I
0: don't think he should be focusing so much on the fastball. I don't think that should be his primary pitch, but I, again, I, I think he is going to continue to tinker with his pitch mix. Yeah,
1: um, it, 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 that, that's really the thing to me is that the four-seamer isn't this dominant one. I, like the, I generally like the approach, but it's really not the pitch for the approach. The Singer, he, singer uh, Peterson is getting inside two left-handers, which is nice. I like to see that, um, except I take that back completely because yeah, I, I see a man uh, throw uh, arm side with sinkers. I instantly think he's saving it for lefties. No, nope. it is only a fifth percentile inside location. So he's just going away with sinkers to right-handers, which is I oh no.
0: He also he, ah. he throws his he he does. I mentioned the curveball earlier, and I, I found a fun stat. He throws his curveball early in the count, sixty-nine percent of the time, which is
1: yeah you know, nice. No, don't do that. Um. So uh, the uh, the sinker has a high called strike rate at twenty-six percent. It's an eighty-six percentile CSW. Which you think oh that's really good. However, its average is three fourteen. Um, and that, that to me tells a story, like, sure, he's able to sneak those in at times, but batters do make good contact on this pitch and it's not fun. Um, yeah, I, I, want to like David Peterson more. We're saying you're saying Nick 22% swing strike rate on that slider. I get it. It's a different one. I don't really buy it. Babbitt was unfavorable to him. Second percentile entire season, 373. That should get better And the hit per nine should not be 10 plus and all of that. Um, I think you're going to be in the situation of do I get anything out of this or not. And it's not the worst. I mean, it's the 22nd round. Who cares? Uh, but I uh, I mean, I would essentially be leaning in on the opening schedule and be like, this is the this is the perfect example of a guy who if he has a good opening matchup, then fine, I'll take him for the first one. See if there is a good uh, sign from this and go from there. And it might be the Twins. Sorry, it might, it might be the Brewers or it might be the Tigers. Um, the first three games for the Mets are the Brewers, and then after that's the Tigers. We don't know if Pearson's going to be in the top three of that rotation. I mean, Quintana's there. And then what? I don't... Senga. And then, um, yeah. So we might see a free agent John uh, in there. Yeah, Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, we're moving on here. We're almost uh, at the end of this one, we have Mitch Keller, who went the round before. You like Mitch Keller, don't you?
0: Honestly, I, I have had zero shares of Mitch Keller over the last, like, two years. The, this is me going... Looking at like looking at the landscape and going, I just I don't love too many of the pitchers that are left. Let me go for someone who I at least know will pile up strikeouts.
1: There you go. Uh, Mitch Keller is super weird. I avoid him, but I think honestly 21st round chasing that, silver approval. Shocking, I know. But like this is a guy who went on insane runs. He's going to work on his stuff in the offseason. I yeah, don't have him um, ranked so- highly, but I think that, that Keller that Keller's a perfect example of you will see something new in the beginning and be able to make a decision now. As opposed to being stuck with something. Yeah, and for
0: for what it's worth, the the other the the pitchers that I regretted not drafting were Tyler McGill, mm. uh, because of course, yeah, Tyler, and, yep, and uh, Orion Kirkering for the oh, potential closer, Philadelphia closer role. Yeah, but I, I again, that's that one. Yeah, that's just a totally um, and then dark the last road. one is
1: Brandon Drury, who I actually thought about myself. I worry about the playing time, and also he got he benefited from the injuries of the angels to be in a good batting order situation. And I don't know if that's going to stick around still the actual skills of Brandon Drury are still good. I, I think there is
0: a first base cliff somewhere around Christian and strand. And that happened 11 rounds ago. So once that <laughs> cliff hit, I was just like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I was kind of hoping that I got Justin Turner as my first baseman, but oh, he, he went uh in the twenty-first round. Not Nathaniel like, Lowe. You, you know love Nathaniel him. Lowe, you, don't you? You know I hate Nathaniel <laughs> Lowe. I did I did look at him a bunch of times. I I you know I looked at Jose Abreu a bunch, I looked at mm-hmm. Lowe a bunch and Bohm. Honestly, like none of those guys are super exciting. I this is a spot where I like if if I wound up with a team in this situation, I would be actively looking to either trade for a first baseman or
1: yeah, you get know, my a low from me. It's great. <laughs>
0: paying close attention to the waiver wire for uh,
1: someone who was promising, like maybe yeah, right. waiting for Kyle Manzardo to uh, to come up. There it is. Um, but yeah, Drury, I mean, surprisingly good numbers. Uh, 26 home runs and 83 RBI in just 125 games. And that's very close to what he did in 2022. Yeah, it's not um, the worst pick. I, I, I dig it. Um, it's just about opportunity for him as he was batting third by the end of the year. But uh, earlier on, when the Angels had a more full lineup, it was seventh, it was sixth, it was sometimes eighth, he pinch hit. It wasn't nearly as uh, prolific in that lineup, and hopefully he gets that opportunity again this year. Really fun last pick. I'll give you the seal of approval because of the if he has a good situation out of the camp and a good batting order spot, then, like yeah, I'm super happy with Drury there. All right, that is it uh, for this episode. Uh, Weber, on a scale of 1 to 17, sorry, 1 to 23, how would you rate your team?
0: Uh, I'll give it like a, a, a nineteen because there there were like there were like four picks here where I'm like oh, wow. I could I should have gone in another direction. Okay, well oh, is, yeah, is that high?
1: Yeah, that's that's gonna be like the highest anyone gives here. Nineteen um, out of twenty
0: three is too high. Too high. Uh, yeah, I'm also rationally confident. Team. I I, yeah, I win a good percentage of my a leagues. Good solid sixteen. Nick, you're talking. You're talking to the fir- first place finisher
1: in the regular season of the legacy. Oh, uh, the though, so. regular season, right? And you didn't win. Okay, I, so, I demand respect. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a good solid sixteen. Um, but uh, but any lessons that you learned from this draft?
0: Catchers, man, I got I got to hold off on catchers. And also, uh, I I I I I you're, you might gloat about this, but I do I do think I need to pay more attention to strikeouts early so that
1: I'm not so cherry bomb heavy. Sure. Um, i don't and, hate my
0: staff yeah. but I,
1: I i could like it more absolutely and as far as um other teams go uh were there certain picks that you saw that you just thought man uh, i wish i went for that because in retrospect now i'm realizing that that was a steal
0: um chad chad young. kills me i hate drafting with chad young yeah
1: it's the worst Why which picks
0: uh, I mean, he, he took, uh, he took Justin Turner, who I was looking at. He uh, took Trevor Rogers, who I was looking at for as a late uh, starting pitcher. He uh, Paredes, who I thought might be my first baseman when, uh, when I hit that uh,
1: Encarnacion strand cliff.
0: Uh, yeah. He, uh, Chad, Chad is a fantastic drafter and I I, I, yeah. I can't stand being in the same room as him.
1: I absolutely understand. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of on the corner. I, uh, on behalf of Chris Weber, obviously give him a follow everywhere at Webzy. Um, He is also our community manager here at PitcherList. So you know him well inside of our PL Plus Discord. But that is it. So on behalf of Chris Weber, my name is Nick Pollock, And we'll talk to you guys next week.